The Trumpet Daily Program begins right now. Today's world news, what it means, where it's taking us. I bring you the one and only possible message of world peace. This is a message of hope, tremendous hope. And he said unto me, you must prophesy again. The Trumpet Daily Program begins right now. He will speak about the United States' response uh, to the recent aerial objects. That includes uh, our de decisive response to China's high-altitude surveillance balloon and the president putting uh, the safety and security of the American people always first. Our military and the Canadian military are seeking to recover the debris so we can learn more about these three objects. We don't yet know exactly what these three objects were. But nothing, nothing right now suggests they were related to China's spy balloon program or that they were surveillance vehicles from other, any other country. The intelligence community's current assessment is that these three objects were most likely balloons tied to private companies, recreation or research institutions studying weather or conducting other scientific research. Recreation balloons. So, uh, so they one of them was a weather balloon. That was, uh, I think, <laughs> that was covered first on Fox, one of the shows on Fox News the other night. Speculation that it was a weather balloon. We now know, not tied to China, not tied to spying, but just some recreational balloons flying near Alaska in the Yukon and, of course, over Lake Huron. And the U.S. military took them out. Oh, yeah. In rapid succession, Friday, Saturday, and then again Sunday. This was just last weekend. <laughs> We've got a lot to get to on today's show, and quite a lot of it is humorous. You're listening to Stephen Flurry, and this is The Trumpet Daily. We appreciate you joining our growing audience. You can always get to our live video stream of this show on our website, thetrumpet.com. Just go to thetrumpet.com or go to Trumpet Daily. You can just type in direct, trumpetdaily.com in your URL, and it takes you to the TD page where you'll have a banner right around this time every weekday morning at 11 a.m. in the central time zone of the United States. That takes you to the live stream. Of course, you can go to either of those websites or URLs and uh, get to the, uh, the video on demand as well and have it downloaded to your device also. So I think uh, I've heard anywhere from what, 500,000 to a million dollars, every single one of these, uh, these missiles fire, fired by the F-16s or the F-22s. So think of the money that went into this rapid fire last weekend, three shots. And then of course, one over Lake Huron, we uh, evidently it missed the balloon. It missed the balloon. It missed the, the target. That's, uh, th that's the new policy of this administration. The Chinese spy balloon, which could carry three buses inside, that just drifts right across the country. And of course, the polling in response to that non-response, just letting it drift all across our air bases and military uh, uh, silos for nuclear weapons, all of it. And the administration got quite a lot of criticism over that. And so then they changed their policy. Now it's shoot down anything in sight, anything that's unidentified. And we still don't know anything about the debris, do we? Not even with the Chinese balloon. Still. It's been a week on. We still, you heard the fake president there yesterday say, we still don't know what it is, but the intel community thinks that it has to do with recreation, with research, and with weather. 
This is from uh, Aviation Week. Listen to this. It says, a small globe-trotting balloon declared missing in action by an Illinois-based hobbyist, cl- an Illinois-based hobbyist club on February 15 has emerged as a candidate to explain one of the three mystery objects shot down by four heat-seeking missiles launched by U.S. Air Force fighters since, <laughs> since February 10. You can't make this up. Just stay with me. It says the club, the Northern Illinois Bottle Cap Balloon Brigade, that's also known as the NIBBB, the the Bottle Cap, the Bottle Cap Balloon Brigade. We'll just call it the BBB for simplicity's sake. Is not pointing fingers yet, but the circumstantial evidence is at least intriguing. It says the club's silver-coated party style Pico balloon reported its last position on February 10th at 38,000 feet off the west coast of Alaska and, uh, and a popular forecasting tool. It says the high split model provided by the National uh, Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration projected the cylindrical shaped object would be floating high over the central part of the Yukon Territory on February 11th. So all the dates match with last weekend. It says that's the same day a Lockheed Martin F-22 shot down an unidentified object of a similar description and altitude in the same general area. So they got the, uh, what was it, the, the, bottle, the bottle cap balloon brigade. We took it down. We took it down. No questions. Just shoot and then ask questions later. And, and we still don't know the answers as far as where the debris is. But here's this, this recreational company wondering, hey, what happened, to one of, what happened to one of our bottle caps? What happened to one of our balloons? It says here, I, I have to read the whole thing to you because it's enjoyable. It says, there are suspicions among other prominent members of the small Pico ballooning enthusiast community which combines ham radio and high-altitude ballooning into a single relatively affordable hobby. It gets better. It gets better. It says, I tried contacting our military and FBI and just got the runaround to try to enlighten them on what a lot of these things probably are. Someone in this recreational hobbyist community tried to call the FBI, tried to call the military and say, hey, I think I know what some of these uh, unidentified objects are. It's our hobby. Yeah, we're flying some balloons. You're shooting down little balloons. It says here, quoting Ron Meadows, the founder of Scientific Balloon Solutions, SBS, a Silicon Valley company that makes purpose-built Pico balloons for hobbyists, educators, and scientists. And then get this. It says the descriptions of all three unidentified objects shot down February 10 to 12 match the shapes, altitudes, and payloads of the small Pico balloons, which can usually be purchased for $12, $12 to $180, depending upon the style and the quality. So the F-22, carrying the payload of what, a million-dollar missile or a a half-million-dollar missile, shot down the $12 balloon, well, three of them at least, just last weekend. Listen to Jesse Waters from his show last night, Clip 12. Alert, Joe Biden's on a weather balloon killing spree. These three objects were most likely balloons tied to private companies 
recreation or research institutions studying weather or conducting other scientific research. Actually, primetime is a pretty good idea what Joe shot down. A hobby club in Illinois called the Northern Illinois Bottle Cap Balloon Brigade. Yep, the Balloon Brigade says they're missing their balloon. The last time the Bottle Cap Balloon Brigade saw their balloon, it was floating over Canada on February 11th, the same day Biden shot down a balloon over Canada. Now, the Bottle Cap Balloon Brigade's balloon cost $12. So Joe shot a $12 balloon with a half a million dollar missile. President Biden sent F-22s to take down the Bottle Cap Balloon Brigade's $12 balloon. All because Biden got some bad polling after taking a week to pop the Chinese spy balloon. So Biden finally broke his silence and sent a clear message to the bottleneck balloon brigade. The United States will not rest until every father-son balloon hobbyist has their $12 helium balloon violently removed from northern American airspace. We don't yet know exactly what these three objects were. As the events of the previous days have shown, we'll always act to protect the interest of the American people and the security of the American people. You see how it's becoming harder and harder to separate the satire from you know, actual events. What a, what a joke. I, I've pointed this out already this week. Just the laughing stock that America has become. The bad polling numbers come in, and next thing you know, they're trigger happy. They're shooting down the bottle, the bottle cap brigade, the balloon brigade. One more from Jesse last night. It's too good to pass up. Clip 13. So it's $12 balloon, Dana. Yeah. Came out of Northern Illinois, father-son <laughs> duo. This is a big threat to the homeland. Can you imagine how much the Chinese are laughing at this moment? They're like, one, they didn't shoot our spy craft down until after it had gone across the United States and out into the Atlantic. And then they spend $400,000 per shoot down, right? So if <laughs> the balloon, right. the bottle cap balloon brigade, if that was one that we initially missed yeah. and then hit again, that's $800,000. So we missed the balloon brigade. Initially. Well, you don't understand. The, they have very evasive tactics. Yes. I'm, 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 <laughs> this is the first time that we've had a shoot down over North America Ever. in our country. Right. And so you would think that the commander in chief would understand that there is a vacuum. When there is a vacuum of information, that means something is going to fill it. What was filling it? Well, even the DOD said we have no idea what it was. Aliens. Could have been. Could have been. Think of the cost of losing face around the world. Yeah. And now the president wants to have a huge task force and we're going to talk about all these balloons when what they can't do at the White House is explain the contradiction of allowing the Chinese spy craft that they tracked from Hainan Island all the way across compared to these balloons. And I think that you're right. They got pushed into it because I, I think our enemies around the world and our allies are probably probably on notice. She she's said there, we reported this earlier in the week, of course, that, you know, you can laugh, but the White House has established a task force because of this now. Just in this past week, just a few days ago, a new task force to go after these unidentified objects in the sky. And this was the first shoot down over North America. And as it turns out, it's it's a, a balloon from the bottle cap balloon brigade. You can't make this up. But listen, again, listen to the fake president and just consider the, the very serious and sobering tone that he takes in this speech. One week after the fact, he finally speaks out about it. He finally tells us what's going on a week later, two, three weeks after the Chinese spy balloon. And this is what he says, clip four. I want to be clear. 
So he finishes his eight or nine minutes of remarks. He's leaving the room. The reporters, as you would hopefully expect, they're shouting out questions, statements. Listen to how it uh, came to a conclusion. Clip five. Give me a break, man. <laughs> One of them you heard, I believe, is your family compromised by the communist Chinese. Another one said, were you overreacting? And of course, he's not going to stay to give any answers to these questions. He just takes off to one person, one journalist. He said, hey, maybe we can meet later in my office since you're a little more polite. He just won't answer, just won't consider the questions. Pe Americans want answers. Jake uh, Solomon, he's, uh, he's behind uh, uh, this new operation, this policy to shoot down these, identified, these unidentified objects, I should say. He's in a sit-down interview yesterday and listen to what he had to say again the very serious and sobering tone that they take as if they're really going all out to protect the united states of america clip six following the downing of the chinese spy balloon norad northcom the military element that is charged with the defense of north america uh tuned its radar in a way that began picking up more of these slow-moving objects, large slow-moving objects that our radars had previously not picked up. And in fact, Chinese spy balloons had overflown our country without the knowledge of the previous administration because the radars weren't picking them up. What this whole episode has shown us is there are a lot more things in the sky that are unidentified, are unclaimed, that need to be managed and dealt with, and we now have a process in place to do that. Right, now we're dealing with it. The bad orange man, I mean, the, the spies, they just flew right across the sky. Donald Trump, he had, no, he had no clue. But we, I mean, we see everything. We're shooting it down. He's saying this with a straight face. And, 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 and children and parents at birthday parties across the United States must be terrified at the thought of letting go of a balloon. I bet Matt. <laughs> wait, 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 oh no, we didn't say go. What were you thinking, Zach? There you go. There you go, terrified at the thought of letting go, just like the, the, the recreational uh, outfit in Illinois. A recreational balloon. It's harder and harder, as I say, to separate satire from what's actually happening or what's actually being carried out by this illegitimate regime in Washington, D.C., and, and its connected deep state. All of these agencies, Mark Milley, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs, announcing the other day, hey, everything's, uh, everything's over, Russia's lost. Russia's lost. I've got a segment here later if we have time. All of this money that's being pumped into Ukraine because they're just blowing through all of our equipment. I mean, we're shooting sidewinders at balloons, 400,000 a pop, so says Fox News. And then we're sending tens of billions of dollars worth of equipment to Ukraine 
and they can't get enough. They're just blowing through all of our, all of our equipment, our bombs, everything. And Mitch McConnell, for his part, keeps sending more. I'm here. Let, let's, let's play McConnell if you can find that clip. It's later on. What is it? Uh, 11. Well, I'm going to try to help explain to the American people that defeating the Russians in Ukraine is the single most important event going on in the world right now. It will save us an enormous amount of money down the road if the Ukrainians can succeed. There's Mitch saying how much money he's saving the United States. The most important event going on in the world today. This is from CNN just today. Ukraine is burning through ammunition faster than the U.S. and NATO can produce it inside the Pentagon's plan to close the gap. They're burning through ammunition faster than, faster than they're receiving it. CNN says, to meet that demand, the Scranton plant is undergoing a massive expansion fueled by millions of dollars in new defense spending from the Pentagon. What a boon for the military-industrial complex. Oh, yes, this is big business for Mitch and all of his friends in the complex. Zelensky, for his part, I thought Russia lost. Millie said Russia lost. Ukraine is burning through ammunition faster than the U.S. And the, and the NATO allies can produce it? That's from CNN the day or two days after Milley says it's over. What did he say about Russia? They've lost militarily, strategically, tactic, everything. It's, it's a complete loss. And they're still there. They're leading an offensive, Russia that is. And we can't supply Ukraine with enough. It's harder to separate the, the jokes from reality. All through this week, we've been talking about the uh, environmental disaster in eastern Ohio. I think the EPA guy finally made it there yesterday. No one else has. Pete Buttigieg, he's missing in action. Joe Biden, he doesn't have anything to say about it. He's talking about the balloons, the recreational balloons, and how serious this is and how we've got a new task force, and how we've got new policies. Jake Sullivan's bragging about it. All these policies for the balloons, as people in eastern Ohio can't drink the water because of this toxic spill, this chemical spill. I mentioned separating satire from what's actually happening. Listen to this from, you, you decide, of course you'll, you'll, you'll know, but, but listen to this comedy gold from social media, clip eight. Hi there, my name is Robert Allen Dickey. My pronouns are he, him, and I am the head of communications here at the EPA. Recently in East Palestine, Ohio, a Norfolk Southern train carrying large quantities of dangerous chemicals derailed. We then decided to manage this spill by burning away all of these chemicals, resulting in a horrific environmental disaster. I can now confirm that the group in charge of managing this chemical spill is officially the most diverse group to ever clean up a chemical spill of this magnitude. It is truly an exciting time to work here at the Environmental Protection Agency. And I'm sure all of the East Palestinians are as excited as we are to learn how diverse the group of people is that is dealing with this crisis. Good comedy there, but again, compare it to Pete Buttigieg. The, the other day, what was it, Monday or Tuesday? When the whole world's wondering what's going to happen? How are we going to clean this up? And he's there talking about diversity among hard hat construction workers. 
This was uh, Buttigieg yesterday. He finally comments. Here, here he finally comments on the, spill, the chemical spill because of this train wreck in Palestine. And this is what he had to say yesterday, clip two. Uh, look, rail safety is something that, uh, uh, that has evolved a lot over the years, but there's clearly more that needs to be done because uh, while this uh, horrible situation ha has gotten a particularly high amount of attention, there are roughly 1,000 cases a year of a train derailing. A thousand cases, a, that's almost three per day of trains derailing. So here the administration's response is that while tragic, what happened in Palestine, look, this happens all the time. I mean, what does that say about his agency? He's the transportation secretary, and he's up there saying, I can't even see how that this is true, but he's saying it happens three times a day. So don't, for, don't focus so much on Palestine. Look, this, there's a bigger problem here. I mean, trains are derailing all over the... I will grant you that they are... It does seem like it's increasing. You had the one in Michigan yesterday or the day before. You had the one in South Carolina earlier this week. The one in Houston. Of course, Palestine a couple weeks ago. But what is wrong with his thinking? What about focusing on what could be the greatest... The, 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 the worst environmental disaster in U.S. history? You've got people throwing stones into the creek and all of these chemicals coming up from the bottom, these clouds of chemicals. Senator J.D. Vance, he was on the scene. He's the senator from Ohio. Look at what he, he's, I'm sure he doesn't consider himself to be uh, some top scientist, but he's there on the scene and he's next to a creek. And look at what happens. This is clip seven. Hey guys, so I'm here at Leslie Run and there's dead worms and dead fish all throughout this water. So, something I just discovered is that if you scrape the creek bed, it's like chemical is coming out of the ground. Can, can you show, can you come here? And, and let me just show this to people. I don't know if you're gonna see this on the camera, but watch this. Just see that chemical pop out of the creek. This is disgusting. And the fact that we have not cleaned up the, the, the train crash, the fact that these chemicals are still seeping in the ground is an insult to the people who live in East Palestine. There was another video making the rounds uh, yesterday. This woman throwing an object into the creek. Same, same thing. You see all these clouds of chemicals coming up from the bottom. How much, how much of the waterworks surrounding Palestine, how much of it has been contaminated? I mean, these are creeks that I, I would assume that, that I would assume fill or spill into the Ohio River, which then <laughs> empties into the Mississippi River, the Ohio River going on for almost a thousand miles. And, and no one, we can't get anyone from the EPA to show up, or if he did yesterday, he shows up. Finally, Pete Buttigieg missing, missing in action. This is from Gallup. Half of Americans believe their news outlets are deceiving them. They have no faith, no trust in their government. They don't believe the news. You can't blame them. It says here, a report from Gallup released Wednesday highlights Americans plummeting trust in the news media. They don't trust the talking heads. They know they're corrupt. They know they're biased. They know they're radicals. They're extremists. According to the poll, half of Americans believe the mass media intends to misinform with its reporting. That's astounding. I mean, what happened? My father's written before about this, that when you, don't have a free, when you no longer have a free press, 
This represents a grave danger. It says here, Gallup survey found that 26% of Americans hold a favorable view of the news media, the lowest figure recorded in the survey's five-year history. 53% have an expressly unfavorable view. But the most notable figure is that 50% of Americans believe that most national news organizations intend to mislead, to misinform, or persuade the public. There's intent there. They believe that they're lying on purpose. Half of the country believe that the news media intend to mislead and to misinform. We've, we've heard so much in recent years about the spread of disinformation, misinformation. Look at what Americans believe. You see, you see the truth is getting out with uh, Elon Musk buying Twitter. He said, as I played the clip for you yesterday, he said, I did it to try to basically save the world, to promote free speech, to, to see to it that the social media giant complies with the laws of the land and, and is not just pushing an agenda that comes out from Berkeley or San Francisco. 50% we see our nation, as I said earlier this week, is just crumbling to the ground, and many see it, and many see it. They see the corruption in government. They see the misinformation spread by the media, and many, many people are alarmed by this. When we come back, we'll have some follow-up stories with, uh, with the time that we have remaining and also conclude today's show with our, our uh, Bible study segment as well. You're listening to Stephen Flurry, and this is the Trumpet Daily. If you want to email the show, you can send comments to tdatthetrumpet.com. We'll be right back. The Trumpet Daily. What has happened to the United States of America? The wealthiest, most powerful nation in human history is suddenly divided, weakened, radical. The evil in America has grown powerful. The good has grown weak. The honorable parts of American history are succumbing to a direct, targeted, sustained assault. Someone, something is dismantling America's history, purpose, and character. Fundamentally transforming the United States of America. Political dysfunction, social strife, economic peril, catastrophic moral failure. Fires, attacks, riots, lies. The nation is being attacked from within by its own leaders. Powerful elites in government, journalism, academia, and beyond are intentionally, rapidly destroying what America is in order to make it into something else. There is a reason why your nation is crumbling before your eyes. There is a spirit and a specific perpetrator that is attempting to blot out America. Only America Under Attack reveals that perpetrator and the motive and spirit behind him. This newly expanded book shows you the reason why America has changed so dramatically, so suddenly. If you're confused and concerned about what is happening to America, request your free copy of America Under Attack by Gerald Flurry at thetrumpet.com. The Trumpet Daily. I gotta help protect myself. That's why I got this guy, a new updated COVID-19 booster. 
You know that unwelcome guest everyone wishes would just leave already? That's COVID-19. That's why I got the new updated booster. Got it. If this were the real COVID-19, I would be in real trouble, because I have asthma. And I have depression. I have diabetes. And I struggle with my weight. For us, COVID is a whole different ballgame. In fact, you could be one of almost 200 million Americans with a high risk factor. That makes COVID even riskier. Be ready, have a plan. And ask your doctor about treatment options that may help. I love being there for my special moments with my kids. That's why my health is such a priority to me and why I got an updated COVID-19 booster. My family did too. I encourage you to talk to your healthcare provider and go to vaccines.gov to check eligibility and schedule an appointment today. There are the celebrities coming out in full force, even after all of these reports of vaccine injuries, vaccine side effects, sudden deaths, in fact, heart attacks among young people up 30% as I've covered recently this week. And then all of these, these, these heart-wrenching reports, one from New Jersey just a few moments before I went to the broadcast today, 12-year-old kid. His mom sobbing on the, the news segment, saying that he, didn't, he, he went to football practice, but he didn't get hit. Nothing happened. He just, he, he just collapsed, and nobody knew CBR. They showed up 40 minutes later. He was already dead. They didn't have all of the, the doctors on hand, like in uh, DeMar Hamlin's case. And so the poor 12-year-old, he just died. He died suddenly. 17-year-old. Rescued from the one that was rescued from a cave in Thailand back in uh, 2018. He was made famous because of this incredible uh, rescue effort. He died. He died in his dormitory in the UK. Suddenly. It's happening all over the world. This was from the Atlantic. The Atlantic, keep in mind. The left wing rag. This is uh, regarding face masks. It says, masking has widely been seen as one of the the best COVID precautions that people can take. Still, it has sparked ceaseless arguments over mandates, what types of masks we should wear, and even how to wear them. It says, a new review and meta-analysis of masking studies suggests that the detractors may have a point. It says, the paper, a rigorous assessment of 78 studies, was published by Cochrane, an independent policy institution that has become well-known for its reviews. It says the review's authors found little to no evidence that masking at the population level reduced COVID infections, concluding that there is uncertainty about the effects of face masks. And, of course, that's the thing. That's the same conclusion that, that Fauci and company reached before the pandemic or some would say the scamdemic. Fauci himself, I mean, who can forget when he said, yeah, masks don't really do anything. And then he changes his tune. Should have brought the clip. We had it earlier in the week. It's uh, Rochelle Walensky, who basically said, you know, we're not basing this on, uh, you know, it's, it's all about the infect. If the infections increase, the masks work. So you've got to put them on. 
We're not changing our views or our opinions. She's leading up the CDC. And here this comes from The Atlantic. If, if all of this negative publicity comes along, you can be sure Pfizer's not going to fess up and say, well, you look, we'll, we'll withdraw it. We're going to take it off the shelves. We're going to do some additional study. No, go get John Legend, put him in front of the camera, and tell him how great the jab is. And they line up to do it, these celebrities. They all think the same way. With a few rare exceptions, they're like robots. They're like machines. You just know what they're going to say the moment they open their mouths. What must that mother of the 12-year-old boy in New Jersey be thinking at the moment? Who knows? Maybe he wasn't vaccinated. We, always, we never get that little detail when these stories emerge. The news media, they put it out there. They talk about how tragic it is. But half of America doesn't trust the media. To tell the truth, half of America is saying that the media, they're spreading disinformation. They're misinforming the public on purpose. That's according to, not even Rasmussen, it's according to Gallup. According to a Gallup poll, as I read to you there at the end of the, the first segment. Well, there's a couple other news stories I could go through. Maybe I'll tuck those away and save them for... Next week, I guess I could comment briefly on John Fetterman. He, uh, he's the stroke victim that was running his campaign from the basement, not unlike uh, Joe Biden in 2020. He, he came into office. We talked all through the campaign about his family and, and, and wondered how could his family, his wife, how could she put him through this? He gets into office. He's in there for a few weeks. And then he, he's admitted to the hospital. I think it was just a week or two ago. Then he's out of the hospital. Now he's back in. This is from Fetterman's chief of staff. It says, last night, Senator John Fetterman checked himself into Walter Reed National Military Medical Center to receive treatment for clinical depression. So it's not just the stroke now. Now it's depression. It says, while John has experienced a, a depression off and on throughout life, it only became severe in recent weeks. So, so just a sad and tragic story. But to put the puppet out there, like they did with Joe Biden, I mean, what about the people who are deceived by the media, by the way? What about the cover-up? What about the lies? What about the misinformation? Tucker had a few comments on his show last night regarding this story, clip 10. So, of course, every decent person who feels sorry for John Fetterman and hopes, sincerely hopes that he overcomes his cognitive problems, his physical problems and his mental illness. But there are still millions of Pennsylvanians who were hoping he could represent them in the United States Senate. And they're now being unrepresented because he's in an inpatient psychiatric facility. What about them? Unrepresented to the other side, you could say, because of this fraud this fraudulent election, and in more ways than one, just like the presidential election from 2020. In our Epistles of Paul class here at the, the college, we recently completed our study of the Book of Romans. So many wonderful and powerful passages in that book that Paul addressed to the brethren of God, the saints of God, dwelling in and around Rome. And, of course, many people from Rome, Paul hadn't yet visited Rome at the time of his writing this book. 
But he was familiar with many of the residents there because of how well-traveled so many of them were. And of course, Paul was very well-traveled himself. But I want to draw your attention to the last part of Romans 13. This is verse 11, where it says, And that knowing the time, that now is high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. We're getting close to the end of this age. And, you know, Paul, you can look at 1 Thessalonians uh, 4 and see where Paul anticipated the return of Christ in his day. Now, I guess the critic could look at that and say, well, how could he be so far off? I'm just going to reject Paul's writings out of hand. I don't want to follow after or, or delve into a study of someone's epistles that was that far off on the timing of Christ's return. Well, God inspired Paul's writings, and his, his instruction, his teaching, his admonition, it's more for us today than it was for the people of Paul's day. That's the truth. Herbert Armstrong used to dwell on this at length in, in so many of his writings, how that the Bible, a third of it is prophecy for our time, or at least most of it is for our time. He said a third of the Bible's prophecy, 90% of the prophecy is for the last days, for our days. And so where's the urgency? Paul was inspired to write here. We, I mean, Christ's return is drawing near. We don't have much time left. The devil, of course, you can see this in Revelation 12 and verse 12. He's well aware of just how short time is. He knows his time is short. That's why he's filled with so much wrath and rage. That's why he's stirring up so much hatred and strife in the world today. Verse 12, it says, The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Cast aside those works of darkness. Hebrews 12 says, Lay aside those weights of sin and and put on that armor of light. Be children of the light. Be children of the Father of lights. The Father, the giver of every good gift. Jesus said that we in the church ought to let our lights shine in this very dark world. John 3.19 says, and this is the condemnation, that light is come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. Crime statistics often skyrocket at night, although, as you're seeing more and more on social media, it is just terrifying, the, the, the thought of some of these crimes happening right out in, in the open and in the, the, the broad daylight of the day. Whether it's looting a store or just, you know, a gang, as I saw yesterday, this gang of thugs just tackling and kicking and robbing. Just one person. Five, ten criminals carrying out these violent acts right out in the open. Well, it's even worse at night, isn't it? And God says to his people, put on the armor of light. That word armor in verse 12, it means instruments of war, including the helmet, the sword, the shield, etc. You can see the, the armor listed off in some detail over in Ephesians 6. We're in a battle. 2 Timothy 2 says that we need to be good soldiers. We need to put up a, a good fight. We need to do hard things. That's the life of a soldier. We're spiritual soldiers for God. 
Verse 13 continues, Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying. Walk honestly in broad daylight. Live peaceable lives. Live obedient lives. Walk in the light. Stay away from so many of these sins that really do flourish in the, in, in the, the cover of darkness. Mr. Armstrong defined character this way. He said, perfect, holy, righteous character is the ability in such separate entity to come to discern the true and right way from the false to make voluntarily a full and unconditional surrender to God in his perfect way, to yield to, be conquered by God, to determine even against temptation or self-desire to live and to do the right. This is what it means to walk in the light, to come to a knowledge of what's right and wrong, and then to exercise will with God's help and power to go God's way, to go in the way of light and truth. That, of course, takes time. God says that we're to grow in the grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Herbert Armstrong in The Missing Dimension in Sex, he talked about four areas for growth. The one most obvious one is seeing a little child who grows up physically. But as Mr. Armstrong said in Missing Dimension, you know, in the mid-teens or early teens, there's a tremendous spurt of growth where this, you know, skinny little kid all of a sudden looks like a young man. Then his voice begins to change and he gets more muscular and and it looks like he's, he's much older. It looks like he's a young adult. But as Herbert Armstrong says in Missing Dimension, there's no corresponding spurt of growth or leap in the development mentally or spiritually. Certainly not emotionally. There's still, in many ways, there's still a little kid. That little 13 or 14-year-old. But there's time. I mean, his thinking should begin to change. And maybe God... Maybe God Maybe God is behind the acceleration of physical growth at that time in his life so that the young man or the young woman starts to, to look at things maybe more seriously and, and to bring more focus into their educational aims and pursuits or their hobbies or their, their part-time job or whatever it is. Those are the all-important preparatory years. Herbert Armstrong said so in, in Missing Dimension, that bracket from age 15 or 16 through to 25-ish. That's when you're, you know, learning how to pursue your life's goal. That's when you're really forming a strong bond with your creator in heaven. That's when you're becoming educated. That's when, generally speaking, that's when you're preparing to marry in the flesh and, of course, looking to Jesus Christ and the coming marriage to the church. I'm talking about those that are, you know, in the church who even have this understanding, who've had their minds open to the truth, who know the mystery as it's been proclaimed through the apostles, through the prophets, through God's servants, even in these last days. Coming back to these four areas of growth, physical maturity, mental maturity, emotional maturity, spiritual maturity. This is what Herbert Armstrong said in 1982. This is an article called, There's a Hidden Enemy in Your Home. And he said, The great tragedy of our generation is that nearly all people mature physically, perhaps half to two-thirds mature mentally, 
but very few ever grow up emotionally or spiritually. I mean, that's obvious with respect to the spiritual. Most, most people are cut off. But even emotionally, Mr. Armstrong says, most people don't, grow, don't ever grow up emotionally. And of course, this aligns perfectly with what the prophet Isaiah said in Isaiah 3. Verse 4 says, And I will give children to be their princes, and babes shall rule over them. And my father makes the point in the Isaiah booklet that it's not that we're being ruled by literal children, but they have the mentality of little, little children. I mean, listen to some of those sound bites from the first segment. These people that can get up with a very serious and straight face and say, look, we've got the task force in place. We're going to take down these recreational balloons. This is very serious. We're here to protect you. Verse 1, just to back up in Isaiah 3, it says, For behold, the Lord, the Lord of hosts, shall take away from Jerusalem and from Judah the stay and the staff, the whole stay of bread and the whole stay of water. God's going to take away true leaders, real leaders. And what fills that vacuum? That would be childish leaders, emotionally immature leaders. In Winston Churchill, The Watchman, our little booklet, my father says this, We are so childish that we are almost totally unaware of our lack of real leaders. We fail to see it as a curse from God. No great nation can survive without strong leadership. It says childish leaders lack the will to face strong tyrants. Our will is broken in our leaders, exactly as God prophesied. When will we face the brutal truth about ourselves and then repent? It says, people who have faith in God never have a weak will. God's called us to be strong leaders, to be leaders. I'll often talk with our students here at God's College in in personal counseling situations and encourage them with the admonition that, look, you're, you're here not just to, to kind of serve yourself or to just fill a seat or to just be here and to enjoy the experience. I mean, it is an enjoyable experience. But you're here to become a leader. That's what this church needs. That's what this world needs. Look at the prophecy in Isaiah 3. Look at the leaders that have been taken away. Look at how utterly incapable our leaders are today in just solving the most basic of problems. I mentioned yesterday, you know, with Joe Biden, he's trying to eliminate carbon from the air. Even as you've got all of these chemicals actually in the air at this moment. In his country, where his citizens are suffering. How do you explain that kind of gross incompetence? That kind of childish reasoning? We see it everywhere, don't we? Verse 5, it says, And the people shall be oppressed, everyone by another and everyone by his neighbor. The child shall behave himself proudly against the ancient and the base against the honorable. Childish, childish leadership, childish reasoning. Herbert Armstrong said back in 1965, The future welfare and even the existence of civilization is dependent on the educational system. That's how important true education is. And Satan the devil knows this as well. 
And that's why he's brainwashing. He's, he's basically, he's captured that educational system. He's sabotaged it. And now they're just propaganda mills. Now you go in, Mr. Armstrong used to say, you go in with a, a knowledge or an awareness of God, and then you graduate four years later farther from God than you ever were four years before. Boy, what would he say today about going in there and just having your minds filled with, with Marxist propaganda, godless, pro from the start? Notice Hebrews 5 and verse 11. I mean, this is the world we live in. And God says, now look, time is short, as I read from Romans 13. We better really get busy growing, improving, overcoming, changing, learning. Hebrews 5.11 says, Of whom we have many things to say and hard to be uttered, seeing you are dull of hearing. He's talking about Christ specifically. And Paul says, you know, I have a lot more to say about him, our Savior, the Messiah, our advocate and high priest, but, but you're dull of hearing. You brethren, are, are, you've become lazy. You've become sluggish spiritually. You've become complacent. And so I can't really give you the depth and the riches of God's Word. I've got to go back and cover some of the basics just to get you back on a, on a solid footing. Verse 12, it says, For when, for the time you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. The Revised Standard Version says, By this time you ought to be teachers. I mean, look, you've gotten all this training leading up to this point. You've put in some good years. Now, what do you have to show for it? You should be teaching now. You should be advancing in this, uh, in this education. You should be ready for stronger meat to digest, spiritually speaking. There should be some pretty good evidence. This morning, I, I was studying through Ephesians 3 with the students. Quoting from the Prophesy Again booklet. If you don't have that little booklet, by the way, we haven't plugged that in ages. But that's a powerful, powerful piece of literature. Prophesy Again. My father wrote that years ago. The 800 number. It's 1-866-930-3024. Call our operators today and request, request Prophesy Again and prepare for your mind to expand in your study through that powerful little booklet. But I gave the quote this morning in class where my father says, look, God, it's based, on, it's based around the scriptures in Ephesians 3 and verse 9 about distributing this, this mystery, this message to the world, dispensing with the message, how it's not enough to receive it yourself and to kind of hoard it, but that you've got to go and take it and give it to others. And my father makes the point in the booklet, he says that, look, God is evaluating our level of interest. He, he wants to know. Well, he does know because he sees us. He reads our hearts. He knows what our thoughts are. And he's evaluating our desire, our interest level. He's, he's evaluating the fire in our hearts and whether or not we're really in this to dispense with God's message. We ought to be teachers. By this time, we ought to be teachers. We ought to have quite a lot to show for our time spent in God's work. I say that to those that have been around for a time, like I have. I mean, there's obviously always some, some new ones that are coming in, and they're just trying to 
get up to speed with everything that the church teaches and believes. But for the older timers, Paul was addressing some of them in his day, and he says, look, you ought to be further along. i got to be honest with you. <laughs> i got to be blunt. Verse 13, it says, For everyone that uses milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe, but strong meat. Strong meat belongs to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Strong meat belongs to them that are mature spiritually. They've had their their senses exercised. They're putting the truth of God into practice. They're using the truth of God in their daily living. And they, they have fruits to show for that effort. You can look at Hebrews 4 and verse 12, where it talks about the Word of God being powerful and sharp, sharper than any two-edged sword. We've got to use that sword and cut away that old man and bury that old man and live anew in Christ. I mentioned this, I believe, if not in, on this program, maybe in a previous lecture. I forget. 1 Corinthians 13, 11, it says, When I was a child, this is Paul. This is right after the love passage, him defining God's love. He says, when I was a child, I spoke as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. You see, that's what it means to grow, to grow. And notice Paul says, when I became a man, he doesn't say, you know, when I had that physical spurt of growth, then I was a man. I mean, I saw it in the mirror. No, he says, when I became a man... I put away childish things. It's still possible, even as a grown man, to be very childish, to be spiritually immature. But Paul says, look, in Romans 13, look, it's high time to change and grow. We don't have much time left to mature emotionally, mentally, and above all, spiritually. You're listening to Stephen Flurry, and this is the Trumpet Daily. I can't believe this is the end of the week. It's, it's flown by. Our email address, td at thetrumpet.com. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you for joining us all week. And we'll see you next time.